He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. As I was contemplating the events recorded in the Gospel of Matthew, how Jesus raised a young woman from the dead, and how he healed another, young, another woman who was suffering from a flow of blood, one question kept recurring to me. What is a woman? Well, Ketanji Brown Jackson who serves as an associate justice of the Supreme Court, herself a woman, was asked by a woman, what is a woman? And she couldn't answer. Of course, Matt Walsh has published a movie, What is a Woman? And in it are interviews of a surgeon, a professor, a therapist, several politicians, many of whom have PhDs, all of whom struggle to answer the very simple question, what is a woman? In my own research, I found on the LGBT Foundation website, the answer to what is a woman is this, a woman is anyone who identifies as a woman. <laughs> what? <laughs> when St. Paul writes that God our Father has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son. This is what he's talking about. We have been moved outside of the darkness, the foolishness, the stupidity of this world and its evil into the light and the enlightenment of his kingdom, his light, the light of his word, shining upon us and illumining our minds and our hearts. Through Christ Jesus, we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. That is the beating heart of Christianity, even as Christ's beating heart was stopped on the cross, even as his beating heart was stopped and then pierced with the spear that from his pierced side might flow that tide that cleanses us from all sins. This is true. But we have more than forgiveness. We have forgiveness and we have enlightenment. So we ask the scriptures, what then is a woman? It is wonderfully Simple. A woman is a helpmate. It was not good that Adam should be alone, and so God prepared for him a helpmate. Already, even in this, we see a reflection of how the church is even now the helpmate of Christ, furthering and advancing his purposes. Indeed, Paul writes to the Corinthians, man was not made from woman, but woman from man. Neither was man created for woman, but woman for man. 
This becomes self-evident when one would simply put in the words Christ and the church. Christ was not created for the church, but the church for Christ. And so, before the foundation of the world, as God had in mind the marriage of Christ and the church, he set forth this pattern between man and woman. That woman would be made for the man just as the church is made for Christ. Indeed, Eve was taken from Adam. You recall from Genesis how God put the man into a deep sleep and then took from the man's side his rib and then fashioned the rib into the woman. The final, the peak, the pinnacle of God's creations. And in these things, we also see a mystery. We see how on the cross, our God and Father puts the new Adam into a deep sleep, as it were. And indeed, we can call death a deep sleep because Christ rises from it. And as he is in his deep sleep, God takes from his side that spear mentioned moments ago, pierces his side, and what flows forth but water and blood? Those very things that will constitute and form the church, the water of baptism, the blood of the holy sacrament, these together form and shape the new Eve, the new woman. A man will leave his father and mother, Genesis says, and cleave to his wife. Now, what is true is that Genesis never says the man will leave father and mother and the woman will leave father and mother. No. The woman belongs to her father's household until the man comes. And with the father's permission not his rubber stamp. With his permission, he gifts his most precious and priceless daughter so near to his heart into the care, into the headship of this other man. So that the man leaves father and mother, cleaves to his wife, and those two then become one flesh, a new family unit from which, God willing, many one flesh Creatures will come, because that's precisely the miracle of children. And so we see in God's gorgeous and beautiful design that children would be brought into the stability of marriage between one man and one woman, and they would reflect not only genetically, but in their minds and in their spirits those aspects of their parents. Woman then becomes nothing less than a kind of gateway through which God brings immortal and everlasting beings to be. This is why the scriptures always and everywhere hold up the chief, highest honor and glory of woman is to bear children. 
not to work at 7-Eleven, not to work for some other man, not to do whatever it is that women are supposed to do, least of all the nonsense like going and fighting and dying for their country. That's obscene and absurd. Any other inventions the modern world has created for woman, all because it despises the honor and the glory that God has given to woman. We have been delivered from the domain of darkness and transferred into the kingdom of God's own beloved Son, a kingdom of light that we may be enlightened and that we may follow the sound pattern of God's word over and against the lies of the devil and this fallen world. Paul writes to the Corinthians that woman, so far from being denigrated or a second-class citizen, woman is the glory of man. One can conceive of it rightly as headship, that God the Father is the head of Christ, who is the head of man, who is the head of woman. One can also conceive of it foundationally, that woman, as the last of all God's creations, is like the flag placed on top of the tower, is like the cherry on top of the ice cream sundae, is the final chef's kiss of God's creation. The foundation being the Father, upon whom rests Christ, upon whom rests man, upon whom rests the woman. A beautiful lifting up of woman, as opposed to the denigration we see in our society. Modern feminism saying nothing more than a woman has no value unless she can become a man. It's the opposite of true feminism. True feminism says this is what woman is and it is glorious and men cannot attain to it any more than men can attain to bearing children themselves. The primary vocations given to woman in Scripture are to love husband and love children. Listen to what Paul writes to a young pastor named Titus and he's telling Titus, to preach this and make sure that other pastors preach this. This is how important it is. Older women. Now, whether you self-identify as an older woman or not, I'll leave to you. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good and so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. Now, contrast this with the domain of darkness and with what one attorney writes of modern women. I quote, while the stereotype is that women are the ones who want to get married, the truth is that they are one who want to get divorced when things aren't going right. In fact, studies show that 70% of divorces are initiated by women. When accounting for just college-educated women, that figure jumps up to 90%. The modern phenomena of so-called no-fault divorce has been a disaster 
for our society. California was the first state to institute no-fault divorce, and within the next five years, divorces went up 40%. Here in Orange County, contrary to the rest of the nation, where the divorce rate is around 50%, here in Orange County, the divorce rate is 72%. One of the common or most common factors in divorce is wealth that is, having it. And as I said just a moment ago, women initiate 70% of the divorces, 90% of divorces are initiated by college-educated women. Astonishing facts. Women, we have a problem. The modern use of birth control, which has led to much of this divorce, along with abortion as the quote-unquote safety net in case the birth control fails, have been a disaster for our country. And yet, how frequently do you hear of an atrocity where the Nazis are the bad guys and maybe six million Jews have died? How rare do you hear of the atrocity where abortionists and so-called pro-choicers are the bad guys, and not six million, but 60 million in our own country, 60 million children aborted in the womb. That is the delusion and the darkness of our age. We're so busy pointing out some atrocity over here, we dare not speak of a tenfold atrocity happening in the very midst of our families and our towns and our nation. The modern phenomenon of the necessity of two incomes in order to support a household has been a disaster for our culture. And again, what else is at the root but the love of money? It becomes a necessity now, and so I don't mean to point fingers at two-worker households, it has become a necessity, but what an evil necessity. And the consequence is that women cease doing those two things that we just heard the scriptures give them to do. Instead of loving their husbands, now they devote their time to their employers. Instead of loving their children, now they hand them off to the government catechetical schools. How have things gone so poorly so quickly in our nation? Well, if every single American handed the Lutheran church, handed me their children to catechize, you'd see radical shift the other direction. Shipping our kids off to the catechetical schools of wokeism have been a disaster for our nation. What is, then, a woman? You can listen to the world. You can be mad at me. I don't care. Really just mad at God. You can listen to the world, or you can listen to God. In Christ, there is indeed forgiveness, but there is also a transference 
from the domain of darkness and all its ways of thinking into the kingdom of his beloved Son, our Savior Jesus Christ. A woman is an Isha because she was taken from the Ish. She is a woman because she was taken from the man. A woman is to her father a great blessing or a great sorrow. A woman is to her husband the greatest of all blessings or the greatest of all sorrows. A woman's glory is bringing sons and daughters into being whom God has predestined to be his eternal sons and daughters forever. As Proverbs 31 states, charm is deceitful and beauty is vain. Neither of those things are what it means to be a woman. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. And God be praised that this congregation is filled with women who fear the Lord. Women who with us men repent and receive that redemption that is in Christ Jesus that forgiveness of sins. Women who with us men desire to be disillusioned from the illusions of this present age, that together we might wake up, and even while still groggy, wake up all the more to the truth of what is simply real. Jesus heals two women both of whom are called daughters in the text. One has died. Her condition is quite obviously irreversible. It has also rendered her unclean, as death itself is unclean. As Jesus is on his way to raise her from the dead, another woman encounters him, a woman who is likewise irreparably unclean. Other gospel texts tell us she's been to every doctor, she's spent every cent she can. What no doctor can cure, what no amount of money can heal, is healed when she, in true faith and humility, simply reaches out and grasps the hem of Jesus' garment. And she is made clean. Jesus stops the crowd and says, Who touched me? I think he knows. But he wants to bring her forward as an example of humility, as an example of faith. And indeed, that's precisely what he says to her. Your faith has saved you. He goes on to the house where the girl has died. There's the weeping and the wailing and the flutes and the shenanigans. I can hardly even imagine the scene. Jesus arrives and tells everyone to be quiet, shut up, stop mourning. She's just asleep. For obvious reasons, they laugh at him and laugh him to scorn. Exhibiting his patience once more, he just doesn't let it get to him. Okay, that's fine, out you go, nonetheless. And he walks over to the girl, simply takes her by the hand, and raises her. We see in these beautiful miracles of Christ his love 
for women, his healing and restoration of women. We see also a picture of how the flow of uncleanness will ultimately be stopped by the flow of Jesus' own blood that blots out all uncleanness. Indeed, if your conscience is defiled on account of your sins or sins that others have committed against you on account of whatever it is that has defiled or denigrated you, this is precisely where you need to come to kneel and grasp hold of the robes of Jesus, as it were, and receive the flow of his blood that pours directly into your mouth and cleanses you from the inside out. And of course, we see that our Savior forgives us for the sake of raising us, that to him death is but sleep, because by his death he has destroyed the power of death, By his death, he has hallowed our graves so that you need fear the specific plot of land in which you'll be buried as little as you fear your own bed back at home. He will raise us from our beds and he will raise us from the grave just as easily. Indeed, it is as St. Paul writes, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness. Not only its foolishness, but its uncleanness. Not only its uncleanness, but its death. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.